0: I've been getting a lot of questions about how Antonio's first attorney botched the case. So for all you legal law lovers out there, this bonus episode explains how exactly the case went downhill. Welcome to season three of The Real Estate Replay. How have we made it this far without the real estate industry telling us to stop talking, I don't know. This season, we're not only sharing seller and buyer horror stories, but we're also helping to expose how this industry works and how all of these companies are making money off of you. It's all the things this industry doesn't want you to know, but we would like you to know to better protect yourself when buying and selling a home. Please note, I'm not a lawyer, but you can follow along with the case by going to the Missouri Court website and look up case 161 underscores CV21739. Or you can look at all the cases throughout the seven years by searching under Sharon Abishon's name, In there, you can also see the other neighbor, Susan McGee, who sued Sharon in one due to flooding of her property. And this is the same neighbor that we discussed in the last episode in which Sharon threatened to make her yard smaller if she proceeded to court. The original adverse possession case was originally set for trial on January 5th, 2018, but was continued. On February 26th, Sharon served discovery requests on Antonio which were due 30 days from that date. Three months later, Sharon filed a motion of enforcement of discovery because Gary Long, Antonio's lawyer, had not responded to discovery at all or requested an extension. On May 23rd, the court granted Sharon's motion for enforcement of discovery and ordered that Antonio via Gary Long produce discovery responses Within 10 days, Antonio had no knowledge of any of this. On June 15th, Gary finally filed the discovery responses on CaseNet. Rather than serving them on the opposing counsel, only a Certificate of Service for Discovery is supposed to be filed. On September 17th, the case was set for a jury trial to begin on January 14th, 2019. And this is the beginning of the major downfall of the case. On October 19th, Sharon filed notices to depose Antonio on October 30th, Antonio's father on November 5th, and mother on November 5th. Antonio found out about his parents' depositions when they received the subpoenas and never even knew they had a deposition scheduled. There's an email to Gary actually asking about this. Antonio writes, hey, Gary, I wanted to touch base with you. My folks have been subpoenaed for two meetings tomorrow, and I haven't heard from you. Is all okay with you? And Gary writes back, hello, I'm in Mexico for vacation through Thursday. My phone does not work here. I can talk via the internet or messenger, and I'll send an email to the other attorneys advising your parents and you will be available next week after you return to Kansas City. And I'm back from Mexico, because again, Antonio was in Spain at this time. So, assuming that he was moving them, they did not go to the deposition. On November 6th, Sharon filed a motion for sanctions for Antonio and his parents for missing the depositions that they were told was going to be rescheduled. A response was due 10 days from the date. Gary, the attorney, never filed a response to the motion for sanctions. On November 1st, Sharon filed a motion for civil contempt against Antonio's parents because they were subpoenaed to attend their depositions. But Gary told them he would reschedule them. And on November 27th, Judge granted motion for sanctions. On December 5th, Sharon filed a motion for default judgment because Antonio's pleadings were stricken. Gary never responded to the motion for default judgment. So on January 7th, Judge Midkiff entered an order of default against Antonio And set a hearing on damages. And if you look on the docket sheets, for some crazy reason, in March of 2019, Gary Long issued a plethora of subpoenas for the hearing on damages after the case was already decided on default. On March 22nd, a hearing was held on damages, which Antonio thought was to be the trial on the case. He had no idea the court already issued an order of default and already decided the case in Sharon's favor until he got to the hearing. The judgment was not final until June 20th of 2019, so the notice of appeal should have been filed between June 20th and June 30th. On June 6th, Gary, the attorney, prematurely filed a defective notice of appeal and received this following correspondence from the court. We've received your notice of appeal for case number, which I already told you. We are unable to process the appeal to, to the wrong format and lack of payment. The link below will take you to the proper form for a notice of appeal and a $70 fee must be paid as well. Can you guess what happened? Gary did not take actions to file a proper notice of appeal. And there's actually a petition currently out that goes against not only Gary Long, but Michael Gunter that provides an additional wonderful outline of how Gary exactly botched the case, including Antonio's case against Michael Powell, the construction contractor. Since Antonio's LLC was the party that purchased the house, which Antonio mentioned before due to redlining and fears of racism, and after a year transferred it over to Antonio and his trust. So since he purchased this under the LLC and only Antonio and his trust were included in the first possession lawsuit, Him and his new attorney that was actually competent filed a case against REMAX and Sharon on behalf of Antonio's LLC. They had to dump this case after it went sideways when the judge issued sanctions against Antonio for refusing to divulge his irrelevant Barcelona address to a known predator who's already attacked his other address. It was clear to Antonio, because this was the same judge from the previous case, that this judge was about to throw out the case on Sharon's motion for summary judgment. And he refused to grant an injunction to enjoin Sharon from watering Norwood's fence and otherwise harassing them during the pendency of the lawsuit on the technicality that technically Antonio's company no longer owned the property. So they didn't have standing to obtain the injunction. Of course, the court could have put in place an order adjoining Sharon from engaging in harassing behavior against the Norwoods or face contempt, but the judge did not, so we realize something fishy must be going on. Just to give you an idea of how easy this case should have been and why it doesn't pass the smell test, even with Antonio's pleading stricken from the original adverse possession case and Gary's failure to defend the case, the plaintiff still needs to prove that they meet all the elements, and this is the standard to prevail on a claim for adverse possession in Missouri. To quote, to prevail on a claim of adverse possessions, a claimant must prove a preponderance of the evidence that his possession of the track of land was one, hostile, two, actual, three, open and notorious, four, exclusive, or five, continuous for a period of 10 years. Sharon could not possibly prove open and notorious possession because she did not disclose her property interest to Antonio when she was the listing agent for the home and the neighbor and the person who's claiming the property. Also, her possession could not have been exclusive because Sharon did not pay property taxes on this property. This alone should have won the case on a motion for summary judgment, which was never filed. Prevailing on adverse possession claim in the city limits is almost unprecedented because the property tax issue almost always defeats the quote-unquote exclusive possession requirement. It literally takes an attorney overlooking this defense and committing malpractice to prevail on an adverse possession claim. And that, my friends, is how Sharon, the Remax listing agent, ended up getting a default judgment of a piece of property of a home that she sold to someone who is now their neighbor. Have a story or a question you wanna share? Hit us up at realestatereplay.com.